0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to be looking at 14 verses. And as you know, it's a two-part series on One Desire Fast. And as Pastor Bo mentioned last week about what it really means to take his yoke and You know, it's light and easy to be able to trust in Him, walk with Him. I want to talk about something that it's not oftentimes talked about, or if you will, I think it's talked about it in a certain way that does not help a greater understanding of the gospel. I want to talk about obedience and why that's so important to your walk with God. I have yet to see any Christ follower who is serious about being a disciple of Jesus Christ without obedience. And oftentimes I'm guessing some of you who grew up in the church, you heard it as if you got to do this, you got to do that. And there's some elements of that. But I realize that many of us, we have been operating on a human paradigm. And that's why for us, we struggle in our relationship with God because it is coming from all human effort rather than understanding in this gospel paradigm why and what motivates us to obey. And the more you understand this, especially when you're going through a fast, you will see that God will work in ways that you can only imagine. And when you begin to see God working in your life through the obedience, as you understand it from the gospel perspective, that it will transform your life. And I could bank my whole life on it because my own life is a testimony of that many other people, thousands of people that i was seen, we've come and gone through all our different churches, is that it is through a life of obedience that's driven by the Gospel that will cause us to experience greater transformation. Some of us right now, that's what we're praying for during this ODF. God, speak to me, transform me, help me to work through this issue. What is it that You desire for me to do? There are a lot of different questions that some of us are asking. And once again, if it's human driven, Uh, Many of us are going to get disappointed, but it has to be by the power and the Spirit of God through the gospel. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So let me just start off and have you think about this question. The question is this, if you wanted someone to obey like a law or some kind of rule, what method would you use to help them to comply? I want you to think about that for a moment. Is that if you want someone to obey a law or a rule, then what method or how would you get that person to comply? I think there are many different ways to get someone to comply and to obey. First can be use of fear of punishment. Many of us know this. You grew up in many ways, you don't want to get in trouble with your parents. So sometimes the fear of punishment can actually cause a person to comply. Another method is to appeal to their selfish motives. Oh, if you get an A, then you can get that phone, right? So it's this idea like, I want a phone. So here you are complying to something, a demand that your parents might want you to do or something that your boss wants to do. So once again, it, it's, it's driven by more of a selfish desire of what you want. And that's how sometimes you can comply. Another way is to use shame. And all of us growing up in Asia, you know how powerful shame is, where it literally takes a hit on your identity and who you are. And what shame does, as we see in Genesis chapter 3, it causes you to hide. And we don't want to be found out. We're very, it's difficult to be vulnerable. You see this all the time, even in the church, and especially in life group. You can spot them out. From, they might look like they have everything all together, but they operate under shame. Another way to get people to comply is just do what I say because I'm older than you. You, You've heard that before, or I'm your mother, or I'm your father. And to me, I'm like, that's not a good reason to comply to someone just because they're older. They could be older and foolish and lead you astray. So age has nothing. They might have some wisdom, but it does not, it should not cause you to comply just up front. Some of us, we do that. And you see in a lot of situations in Asia and around the world, just by complying because someone is in a position of authority or a position of uh, leadership, or maybe just who they represent. And so that's where we see a lot of abuses and other things that are going on. I think another one that's very powerful, and many of us can probably testify, is when we use withdrawal of something. Some of you in this room have experienced that. You didn't do so well in that performance. You didn't do so well in your grades. And what happens? Your mom, your dad, they withdraw that love and acceptance. And as a little kid, you feel that very strongly in your heart, that pain of rejection or the fear of rejection. And so it gets you to comply to do things because you don't want to experience that. You don't want to lose something that you desire. If you think about all the things that I just mentioned, you realize that none of these methods are the best way to motivate someone to obey. It will cause them to obey, but it's not the best way. At best, from these different methods, what you will get is behavior modification. It will change your behavior, but it will not change your heart. But I think it works really well for a dog. How many of you are dog lovers? Come on, look, go ahead. Let me, let me hear you. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, some of the things that I just mentioned, it's a great way to train a dog to comply. Uh, look at this picture. Uh, this is a meme that I found. Here are all these doggy tricks, and uh, the owner trained the dog. To have self-control, and this person is on an expert level. Can you imagine all this, and you're just waiting for the signal? See, when you're training a dog, behavior modification is good, and I think some people have a really hard time when you think about even training dogs to get them to obey. Uh, how many of you know, heard of uh, Caesar um, Milan? Have you guys ever heard of him, the dog whisperer? The, the guy who could make any dog who's violent and wild to comply and to obey. It's really interesting. So I want to show you this quick video. Uh, those of you who might know Jillian Michaels, who's a professional health expert and fitness person. And so she had a dog named Richard. I don't know why you want to call it dog Richard. But Richard was biting people and doing all this stuff. So she called over Cesar M- Milan to come and help train this dog. And I just want you to see what happens in the short couple minutes to a dog that's going crazy, and all of a sudden it's like complying. So I thought it was really cool. So watch it. Let's watch this together. Amen. Can you imagine if we learn how to comply to God like that? God just goes, We're like, arr, arr, you know, but like, yes, Lord. Just try to imagine that. I mean, it'll be easy. But I think many of us understand obeying God is not easy. And we settle for behavior modification and think that we're doing well, but that until a temptation comes, until we go back home for a break or until we face another issue in our lives at work, and that's when we realize we're doing the same thing all over again. As they were mentioning, sometimes it's just a symptom of what's going on deeper. And I think this is where we have to try to think about our lives and say, do I want behavior modification that will not change my life? Or do I want obedience to God according to His Word through the gospel that can transform deeply the things that I'm going through? Therefore I want to ask us, is there a better way for people to live in obedience, not just complying? to change your behavior, to look good or to get something from God. But is there a better way to cause us to obey God? And this is the reason why the One Desire Fast, I think when we're doing this, it's so easy to lose sight of why we're doing this. For some of us, we're participating because it might be expected of us. For whatever reason, whatever situation you're in. For some of us, we don't want to lose face. Therefore, we're just doing it. For some of us, we're doing it, but we hate it, which is a lot of us, myself included at times. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? But once again, it's like you're doing it with a grumpy heart. And so God doesn't delight in your sacrifices. But what he delights in is it's our hearts, a broken and contrite heart that scripture tells us. For some of us, we already fail. And therefore, we're wondering, is it really worth keep on doing it? We only have a couple more days left. And that's why, as I shared on Thursday or Friday, like once you fall or you fail in something, the righteous person, according to Proverbs, picks themselves up and continues to move forward. That's why it says, though a righteous man falls seven times, they continue to pick themselves up. To say, yeah, I failed. It shows that I'm weak and I'm human. But I want to continue to do my best as I trust in God. That's why I'm encouraging you to turn or log out of your social media if it's a commitment you made. Because we're creatures of habit, you're going to continue to turn to it. So to have an extra step, it helps you to remind you of the commitment you're making. Even with food, I, you know, now you realize, man, I love food. Are, are you like me? Like everything looks really good. You know, even some of the things that you used to hate. I was walking on the street one time. I saw this restaurant and they had chicken feet. And I hate chicken feet. But I'm like, wow, that looks really good. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, because I'm thinking about everything looks good, especially when you're fasting. I think others of us in the midst of making some important decision and trying to hear from answers from God or getting direction from God, it's really easy to lose sight of what God is trying to do in us. I think the problem with many of us the way we see obedience is very self-centered. And let me try to explain why. We try to obey God because we want something from Him. Think about that for a moment. Oftentimes we obey God because we want something from Him. Also, we try to obey God because we're afraid of experiencing something bad. So the whole fear of punishment comes up again. Some of us, we try to obey God because of our self-righteousness. And a desire to do certain things or look a certain way. And this is where I want to just kind of encourage us. We have to keep in mind a gospel centered way to think about obedience is that we have to start with Jesus and the cross. As we think about all that Jesus did for us by dying on the cross, the only faithful response, the only reasonable act of worship to this gospel is a joyful obedience. So obedience in the Bible is really obedience of faith for those who are believers in Jesus. Then we can joyfully obey Him and His commands because we love Him. John chapter 14 verse 15 in the NIV says this. If you, this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will obey what I command. You cannot try to obey These commands without really understanding God's love for you, and then you want to love Him in return. That's why this summarizes a gospel centered obedience. So, once again, when we obey Jesus, not because of what we are afraid of, what He will do to us, but instead we obey Him because we are grateful for what He has done for us. Let me say it again so you understand. That we don't obey Jesus because of what He's going to do to us, but we instead obey Him because we're grateful for what He has done for us. So let me give us the one thing as we look into this passage, the one thing is simply this, that our obedience to God will flow out of our experience of God. It's that simple. That our obedience to God will flow out of our experience of God. That's why during this fast, during these moments, even some of you, even after the fast, if some of you are struggling, your times with God, your experience with God, your intimacy with God is so vital to your obedience to God. Let me put it this way. I have seen a lot of people who are in leadership, really involved helping out, and they decide to check out for whatever reason. And so what has happened is that they have based their whole relationship on God with serving and doing things. So as soon as they step down or stop getting involved, because they don't have to necessarily be a leader, as soon as they stop getting involved, what do they do? Oftentimes, many of them go into sin. They, they get into different things that do not help them. They get into relationship, even with pre-Christians. They do all the stuff, even though they know that this is not good. Why? Because their relationship with God was based on doing things when they forgot that it's really about my relationship with Him, so that when they don't have this structure, guess what? They will then do whatever their hearts desire. To me, when I see that, I'm like, this clearly shows where this person is. They're not outside of the grace of God or the forgiveness of God. God still loves them. God will forgive them if they humble themselves. But until that realization hits them and they repent, and then receiving the gospel message, and gratefulness, and then recommitting to the things of Scripture, they're going to continue to move in that direction. That's why I think it's important that you pray for some of your friends, you pray for people, because only God could reveal those things to them. So I want to talk about two things specifically here to follow through on, if we're going to allow our obedience to God to overflow or flow out of our experience of God. So let me first talk about the The first part here, the first thing is this, we must listen to God's voice as we're experiencing God, spending time with Him. It is vital that you experience God through listening to His voice. Now quickly, as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, let me just give us just a quick understanding of this chapter prior to this chapter, God gave the Israelites a lot of commands. If you just quickly scroll scroll down your phone or on your Bible, you'll see that there are all these commandments, all these rules, all these things that they're supposed to do, things that they're not supposed to do, and every single one of them is related to their relationship with God and their relationship with one another. Just, I mean, if you look at all all the way from the beginning, just look through it, you are like, oh, every single one commands, do things, do not do things, here's the law, here's the rule, it's all about their relation with God and their relationship with one another. Now, the part that I need you to understand is that during this time, the covenant that God made with the Israelite people, it was being renewed. So the covenant was made in Horeb. And now in the plains of Moab, this, that covenant was being renewed. And therefore, God set before them, I made a covenant with you in Horab. Now, as you've been wandering in the wilderness, you're in the plains of Moab. He gives them a choice. He says, today I'm giving you a choice. There's a life of blessing and there's a life of curses. And you choose what you desire. And so now the blessings and the curses are described in Deuteronomy chapter 28, which we're going to look at just more towards the blessings, the curses. You can look at later. So let's read verse 1 and 2. This is what the Word of God says. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, be careful to do all His commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's just pause here. I want to kind of tease this out. This is very important to talking about obedience. If you notice in verse 1, you will see the phrase, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord. I want you to focus more particularly on the phrase, if you faithfully obey. Because that phrase can be translated as, if you diligently obey. Or, if you fully obey. Now, it gives us this understanding that obedience is something that is almost as if it's dependent on what we do or don't do because the word, if... I mean, that's what it feels like. Okay, if if I don't pray, then I'm not going to get this. If I do this, then I'm going to experience this. It just feels like that. But it's important too that we establish that the Israelites already experienced grace when they received redemption from the deliverance that God gave from uh, Egypt. So I I want you to think about this. This is The gospel is even in the Old Testament. That God in their slavery... Rescue them, deliver them, set them free, so that now they are the people of God. And so because of that, when the covenant was made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and generation after generation, even through Moses, the Mosaic covenant, one of the things that we realize is that God did the work. They did nothing to be delivered or to be saved, but God did the work and then now we see there's a command it is vital that you understand this why because the conditional statement of if is not about their covenant relationship that god that with god that can be taken away but it is more about their preparation to receive his blessings so let me put it in the christian context that you were in slavery to your sin you were in bondage God delivered you. He rescued you. He set you free so that now you are no longer bound to the things of this world and to Satan and to death. All those things Jesus Christ set you free. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have made a profession to believe in Him, trust in Him. Guess what? That relationship with God will not be taken away. If you are a genuine believer of Jesus Christ, there is nothing you can do that will separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Can I get a good amen to that? There is nothing. You could kill somebody. You could murder somebody. You can do the most horrendous sin that that will not separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Your salvation. If you genuinely received Him as your Lord and Savior. But your relationship with Him will get affected in terms of the fellowship. And so that's what the Israelite people began to understand. We've already been set free. God has already redeemed us. He delivered us. He saved us. He loves us. But now our relationship with Him and all the things that God has because of our disobedience, it could literally, we could miss this. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 talks about that. It says this, it says what? Read the yellow sections with me. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Past tense. We're already blessed. We have all the blessings. And it's in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But it's already ours because we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. So we have every single spiritual blessing that is in Christ. And once again, let me just try to bring this to a focal point. The reason why this is important is because we want to make sure that we do not have this human paradigm or works oriented paradigm view of God's blessings. It is not God's blessings. It's not something you work for. It is not something that you think to yourself, I deserve it. Because of my righteousness or self-righteousness. I'm telling you right now, that will always lead to legalism. And legalism will kill. That is something that you have to understand. That's why some of you are like, oh, I have to go to life group again. Or, oh, I have to do my soap. Are they going to be on my case? I have to do this. It's just a bunch of rules that I'm telling you. And if it's your own human works paradigm, it is going to lead to self-righteousness if you do these things, and condemnation if you don't do this. And guess what happens to you? It will literally kill your heart and your love for Jesus. And this works-oriented view of God's blessing is oftentimes when it's connected to our obedience, it will lead to a lot of problems. Let me just help you to think through this. Just think about if we assume that we're good or we're good enough then we'll be blessed by God. Or, if we don't obey Him, then He's not going to bless us. Like, this creates a mindset that we can get something from God if we only do the right things. So that's why When you go to Life Group, do soap, you do all that. You're serving on a ministry team, you're doing all that. You're trying to love people, and then all of a sudden you think that God's going to bless you, and He doesn't. He doesn't give you that job. He doesn't give you that relationship. He doesn't give you that promotion. He doesn't give you what it is that you think that God's going to bless you with. Guess what? You're going to be disappointed and disillusioned, and give it maybe another half a year or a year, and you will totally stop going to church. I see this all the time. Because what looks like, oh wow, they really love God. They're doing all this stuff. It's really driven by a self-righteous, self-centered motive that because they do these things, they think that God has to somehow bless them. He does not have to. He owes you nothing. I hope you understand this. God owes you nothing. What He does owe you is death and his wrath. Because you have sinned against the holy God. That's what we deserve. As soon as you think I'm good enough or I'm good and God deserves to give me this or I deserve to have God give me this, I'm telling you right now, it will kill your soul and it will lead to legalism. And we have a lot of legalists in the church. Not just this church, but the church with capital C. I see it all the time. They feel like they're self-righteous because then they start judging other people. Oh, why are they doing that? You shouldn't be doing that. It might seem like obedience, but I'm telling you right now, instead, people are seeking for blessings and not for Jesus. And what's going to end up happening is you're going to start despising and hating God. This is what happens. Listen to what R.C. Sproul said in his book, The Soul's Quest for God. I thought this was insightful. Listen to what he says. The unbeliever desperately seeks happiness, peace of mind, meaning, and significance in life, relief from guilt, and a host of other things which we link inseparably with God. We make the gratuitous assumption that these people are seeking things that only God can give them, that they are therefore seeking God. People seek the benefits of God while, at, while all the while fleeing from God Himself. Man, when I read that, I'm like, this is, I mean, I started thinking of people's faces and how many counseling hours that I've done in cafes. Some of you have pre-Christians in your life group. Some of you right now sitting here, you're not a believer yet. Some of you came to know Jesus Christ recently and here's my challenge to you you coming out to life group you coming out to church you who received Jesus Christ maybe four months ago six months ago last year because we as believers when we see people like they're trying to look for meaning purpose all the stuff that you see in this quote we get really excited because they're like wow they're seeking after God God is doing something in their lives But here's the problem. They're not seeking God. They're not seeking Jesus. What they're seeking is relief from whatever it is. They're seeking things for themselves. They want peace to know that if they were to die, they will go to heaven. And that's it. They're not seeking after Jesus. That's why one of the signs that I tell people that I would question if that person is a genuine believer is that after they receive Christ, they don't want to get baptized. Why wouldn't you? If this is the greatest news in the world and you are lost, you are sinful and the wrath of God was upon you. But then when you think about the cross and what Jesus Christ did for you in your life, the greatest news in the world, why would you not want to declare it out to people? That's why whenever I say, like, yeah, you receive Christ. Sometimes I lead them. Sometimes we have life group members or leaders, whoever leads them to Christ and they don't want to get baptized. I'm like, give me your reason." Now, a lot of times it deals with family and all that kind of stuff, but we see a lot of scriptures about that. But I'm just wondering to myself, why wouldn't you want to declare what Christ has done? That's why I always tell people, be careful. Just because they said that prayer, they might not, seeking, they're not, they might not be seeking after Jesus, but they're seeking after what Jesus can give them. And if that's the Christianity that some of the people in our church and around the world are receiving, I'm telling you right now, give it enough time, they will fall away. Because they're seeking the blessings and the benefits of being a Christian, but they are not seeking after Jesus. When I see them willing to sacrifice, willing to give up, willing to go through persecution and difficulties, then you can say that's a genuine powerful work of God in that person's life. Because they're willing to give it all to follow Jesus Christ. That's why our obedience must be rooted and motivated by our love for Jesus then it opens up the avenue for blessings that come from God and will not respond negatively if we don't get these blessings. We obey His commands, not because we have to, but because we want to. Come on, I want you to say that with me, all right? We obey His commands, come on. We obey His commands, not because we have to, to. but we want to. And you will want to when you understand the gospel and what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. It's because Jesus first loved us that now we can love him. Genuine, joyful, biblical obedience always puts the focus on Jesus and it's always fueled by love and thankfulness. That's why if you don't have a thankful heart, it's going to be really hard to obey you're probably gonna be complaining. Why is my life this way? You're, you're not gonna obey. Trust me. It's gonna be behavior modification at best. If you're not in love with Jesus because of what he has done for you, you're, you're, you're not head over heels. I'm telling you, everything you try to do, it's all gonna be for yourself. When you love somebody, even if they don't do certain things, you will still love them because of the love. They have shown you. In order for us to finish this one desire fast and finish off well, I do pray that all the stuff that we're doing is not because we want something from Jesus, but because of Jesus. I want you to also look at verses 1 and 2 again. You will notice the phrase, the voice of the Lord, or the voice of the Lord your God. Now, it's interesting because this phrase is translated in many of the different translations as simply obey. To obey. Because to hear God's voice means to bring our lives into humble submission to God. I mean, think about it. Can we go back, if if we can go back to verses 1 and 2? I want you to notice something. It says, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, Like, why is the voice of God so important and why is that connected to obedience? Let me read to you what the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary talks about obedience. I thought this was helpful. It says this, so obedience is, right, to hear God's word and act accordingly. The word translated obey in the Old Testament means to hear. And it's often so translated. In the New Testament, several words describe obedience. One word means to hear or to listen in a state of submission. Another New Testament word often translated obey means to trust. The person's obedient response to God's word is a response of trust or faith. Obedience does not affect one's spiritual life. Obedience secures God's blessings. I thought that was very helpful. When we talk about obedience, it's about hearing and then responding accordingly. The New Testament, obeying is about trusting and having faith. So right now in your life, can I ask you, what is it that you're having a hard time with faith and trusting in God for right now? And I guarantee you, you're probably not obeying. When I look at my life and the times that I have obeyed, and there have been many times I disobeyed, but the times that I've obeyed and God worked in my life, in our church's life, is because we have listened and heard the voice of God. And even though sometimes the things that He tells us are crazy, we believe that it's God, He's leading us. It's consistent with the word. And there we humble ourselves and we say, God, this is what you say. And then we obey, we trust, we then step out in faith and start doing it. Even though everything around us tells us it might not be the best time, it might not be the best thing to do, but God's tells us a different story. So we follow God instead of man. And when we take that step of faith, I'm telling you right now, God has done miracles and wonders. And my life has not been the same. So many things in our church has been because of us listening and obeying. I'm telling you right now, we will not have this church in Hong Kong if my wife and I, as we're praying, we did not hear and obey. We will not have this church if there were people who signed up for the church plan team did not listen and hear and then trusted and obeyed. Some of these people were making a lot of money, more than you're making, maybe two times more than you're making right now. They surrendered all of that because they heard the voice of God, they trusted, they obeyed, and they followed. That's why there is something beautiful about obedience to God. When you obey God by trusting in Him and having faith in Him, not in people or other things, but in Him. That's where the blessings come. I want to challenge some of you who are living your life still very controlled, very like you're the person who's going to dictate what's going to happen. You're chasing after success. You're chasing after all the things of this world. But you're, you're good at hiding it because you say, yeah, I want to be a good witness at work. That's a code word for I want to live for myself. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Some of them do really want to be a good witness at work. But I always say, you're going to be a good witness at work. Let's see, as you pray and work with God, let's see how many people you come to, uh, brought to the Lord. How many people have been able to experience community? How many people have you been able to impact their lives? So their life will be completely flipped around because it's not your work, but God's work because you believe you heard him. But oftentimes that's not the case. Well, I, mean, I want to be a good witness at work. I want to try to do my best. Excellence. All, there's these cold words. And, you know, I, I try to take it for face value. I listen. But as I'm listening, I'm looking at that person's life. So it is easy to hide behind these Christian lingos and the right things to say so that people will start believing, but then your life is not dictated by faith and trust in Him. Once again, we're not asking for perfection, but it's the heart that God looks at. And that is the thing that we cannot see as human beings, but God does. The only thing we can see is the fruits. This type of obedience, which demonstrates faith and trust in God, His goodness, His greatness, is rooted in the gospel. That is what's rewarded by God. That's where you're going to start experiencing incredible stories. When was the last time some of you experienced some of these incredible stories of miracles? We heard, but we did not act accordingly. God is speaking, but we don't want to trust. And we don't want to have faith because that's scary. We might as well trust in ourselves. Look as Moses continues in verse 3 and 6. I want to read this quickly. It says this. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. So pretty much every single aspect of Israel's life will be blessed if they obey God. Whether it's in the city, the rural areas, in the farming, whether it's having food or being fruitful and having children or even your animals being fruitful. He says everything that you touch, everywhere you go, it's going to be blessed because you are listening to the voice of God and you are following and trusting and believing. That's why in verse 6, we see that people will be blessed when they come to a place, when they go to a place. Listen to how the New Living Translation translates it. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Man, I wish this was so true in all of our lives. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. You know who are those people who are hearing the voice of God, they're acting accordingly as they fully trust and they fully have faith that God is good great, and He will do all things for His glory. When we listen to His voice and then obey, this is what causes us to be blessed. And as I shared earlier, we have a choice. And if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28, you will notice that choice is given to us. Moses says this, and he's speaking for God, he says, today, Look, today I am giving you what? Come on, say this. Choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn away from Him and worship gods that you have not known before. Jesus reinforces this principle by being blessed when we obey God in faith. Luke chapter 11, verse 28 in the NLT says this, Jesus replied, But even what, come on, say this, more blessed are you who what? Hear the word of God. So once again, hearing is equated to obeying. And then you what? Put it into practice. So don't just do your soap and then not obey. Don't get convicted about something then God speaks to you when you're walking and then not obey. Let me give you one example that maybe will help you to see this whole integration of everything. You're walking from the MTR and all of a sudden you see something from the corner of your eye and you realize there's a person who's sitting down and they just look really depressed or sad. And as you're walking towards that person, the Holy Spirit tells you, go talk to that person. So you're listening to the voice of God. You get this impression in your heart that you should go and talk to that person. So therefore, the question is will you trust and will you have faith that that's God speaking to you? But the reality is we look at our clock we're like, I'm late, so we just go. That's me. Man, I don't know how many times God speaks to me in some ways, but I I have so many other things going on that I'm just like, and I miss those opportunities. But let's play that again. You get off the MTR, you see something from the corner of your eye, and you're approaching this person. You realize there's a person sitting down looking very depressed, sad, something very heavy in their heart. And the Holy Spirit says, go talk to them. And then you decide, I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I'm going to make a decision to act accordingly. And I'm going to respond by faith and trust in God and God alone. So you walk over there and you talk to them. You introduce yourself. And then you say, is everything okay? Is there anything I can do for you? It just seemed like you were very depressed. And then they begin to, for whatever reason, begin to open up their hearts. And as they begin to share their story, you just realize in shock, what this person is describing is the very thing that you went through several years ago. But you came out of it because of God's grace, because He saved you. That's how you became a Christian. Or maybe that's how you rededicated your life to Christ. And here you are in this moment where you are sitting down next to this person that you did not know. And then you begin to share your story. And the only reason why you are where you are today is because of this gospel, because of Jesus Christ. And this person listening intently says, but I went to church when I was younger, but I don't know if God can receive me. And you begin to share deeply about the love of God and how God has been persistent in their life. And in that moment, as you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you ask this person, would you like to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And that person says yes. And you say that prayer and then you bring them into the church community and you help them to integrate and get to know people. And then that person is getting baptized, and in their baptism testimony, they don't give glory to you, but they give glory to God because in that moment they were thinking about suicide, but just so happened that a person, you, happened to walk by and share the story that exactly what they went through is what that person went through, and that person, which is you, shared about Jesus Christ. Where are those stories? In our church it's because we have a bunch of people who all do all these good things but we're not listening to God and we're not trusting and we're not obeying it's the same way like today you see these stories and pictures and you feel like God's saying apply but then you don't respond in faith and obedience God might be speaking to you and say, hey, I want your life to be disciplined. I want you to get up every single morning and the first thing is to praise and worship me and read the word. But we don't act accordingly. We don't trust. We don't have faith that through it that God will change us. God sometimes convicts you that you've been, you were looking at your bait statement. You were like, man, I've spent so much on myself and I've been unfaithful in the things that I know I was called to do. And then you feel God speaking to you to be faithful, not only with your giving, but also with your time that you'll spend it with people. Because Christianity is not only about the gospel of your salvation, but it's about people to reach out to. And then as you're looking at your, your, your bank savings, you're looking at your schedule and you realize everything is about me. I could spend hours doing different things, but then I don't have even one hour to meet somebody for coffee because I want to be an encouragement to them. I want to strengthen them. I want to help them because I saw them last Tuesday. I saw them last Wednesday and they were struggling. It looked like as they were feeling really tired and discouraged. So I want to meet up with them. So when we don't listen to his voice in faith, in trust, then we miss these types of opportunities. No wonder Jesus says, we're more blessed when we hear the word and put it into practice. Can I just encourage us to think about even our vision, our mission? Some of you were there at our family gathering. Some of you were not, and we'll be sharing it all throughout in the year, months to come, in the years to come. There's no time limit. This, is, this could take 20 years. It could take 50 years. Some of you will not even be living. It will take years. It really is dependent on God because we cannot start new churches if there's not enough pastors and new leaders being raised up. Period. We're not going to just do it because we're like, we have this vision. That's stupidity, that's foolishness. So you got to look at what's happening in the church. Are people growing? Are we making disciples? Are we sharing the gospel? Are people addressing the issues of their heart so they will not minister out of their own issues, which makes it really bad? You're going to hurt other people. You're going to start doing things for yourself, for your self glorification. So as you're growing, you're making disciples, and then they're making other disciples. People hearing the voice of God, wanting to obey, sacrificing, and they begin to grow. And some of them will feel the call to be a pastor, to be a missionary, to be whatever it may be, to be even a marketplace leader. As they feel this call, they obey and have faith and trust in God. Then we're going to see people rise up. And then we're like, you know what? We have all these different leaders. That means that we can start up different life groups in that campus or in this city. It will be idiotic for us to try to do something that we shared when right in front of us, we don't have people who are growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is suicide, spiritual suicide. So even though we share the vision, we're not going to do this this year unless we clearly see this is the Spirit of God moving in the hearts of people. It will be like us trying to open up five different places for missions projects and only five people apply. Okay, you go here, you go here, one, one, and just, what do, you, what do I do, Pastor? I don't know, you just pray by yourself. Go to the mountain and just pray. Do you see what I'm trying to say? You cannot start five missions projects if there's only five people applying. You cannot start another church if it's not multiplying within that life group. If that life group has been the same for the last nine months, just the ten of us, kumbaya, we love Jesus, and that's it. You cannot multiply. But if people are coming to Christ... People are getting baptized, they're getting discipled, now they're reaching out to other people and now 10 becomes 15, 15 becomes 20, 25, ooh, this is a little bit too large. Because some of you, you know what large life group is like. It stinks. Well, let me take that back. It's it's great, we love all of you, but it is hard. It is hard to do a life group of 25 some people. But here's the thing, I'm going to be straight up with you, so you understand my values, you understand what we're trying to do in our church. Jesus changed the world with how many? 12 minus one. The, he was a bad guy. <laughs> but when you follow the story throughout the book of Acts, you realize that there were not just 12, but there were hundreds. It began to multiply and began to spread. Listen to me. I will never put a person in leadership just because there's a need. I'm saying this, I'm going to try to say, I'm going to weed this carefully. Because the temptation is, we have a need, so let's hurry up and bring more people in. But this is the problem. And I've been doing this for 30 some years, and I'm telling you, I've seen it all. Well, not all, but I've seen a lot. And when you bring people in, when they still have not understood the gospel, they still afford, function in their own self-sufficiency, self-protection, and self-centeredness, what begins to happen is that when they begin to lead, they will kill that group or that campus or that life group. I've seen it many, many times over and over again. So I've always told people it is better to have a few leaders leading a lot. I know it's taxing. I know it's hard. So let's pray trusting God than having a lot of people helping out in such a way to that position of leadership. Wow, you sound such like an elitist. No, because we love people. You will not put your children with a pedophile. You will not put your child in a kitchen where there's knives. You will not do certain things because you love that person. You love those people. And if there's anyone in this room that has been hurt by people, leaders, other people who had authority, You know how painful that is. And that's why one of my biggest passions is to constantly address issues of the heart. And that's something that I need as well, because we need to keep on addressing this in our hearts. Because the Bible says out of the heart overflows all these things. It's not what goes into a person that makes them unclean, but it what comes out. Once again, we're not looking for perfection. But what we are looking for is fruit. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who remains in me or abides in me will bear much fruit. You want leaders and people who are fruitful because they're connected to Jesus. So that means they're hearing God's voice. They're obeying in obedience to him out of joyful obedience. And then through that, they're trusting and having faith. Those are the people that will make an impact. In other people's lives. When we know God's heart by listening to his voice, that's when we're going to want to obey. Oh man, I I am praying, Lord, we want to hear some incredible testimonies because we have a group of people who are listening to you. And they're acting accordingly, in trust and in faith. That's obedience. And I don't think there's anything that could stop us if that were to happen. We will transform the world. We will transform Hong Kong. You will transform your workplace. You will transform your campus if we have more of those people who will obey. Let me just quickly finish off with the second point. I know much time has gone by. I just kind of went off on a derivative there, but please give me some grace. Let me just. Let's do it. Second thing. We must not only listen to God's voice, but we have to leverage God's blessings. When we close out this section, I want you to see how many times when we read verse 7 through 14, how many times you will notice the phrase the Lord will. The Lord will. Just count how many times it appears. A uh, second thing I want you to notice is all the things that the people will receive as blessings from God. It is for the benefit of others and it's the benefit of God in terms of fulfilling God's mission. So let's read verse 7. 14 quickly here so count how many times you see the word the Lord will so verse 7 it says this the will the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways the Lord will command the blessings on you in your barns and in all that you undertake and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you the Lord will establish you as a people holy to Himself as He has sworn to you. But if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you the Lord will open to you His good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall not. You shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you, you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Do you know how many times? Six times. That phrase, exactly that phrase, the Lord will. In these eight verses, the six times in which we are reminded of it's God who's going to do it, I want you to notice several things that we have to leverage when it comes to the promises of God, especially through the obedience. The first thing is this, we we got to leverage our purpose. We notice that God will help the Israelite people to defeat the enemies and to bless them in all that they do. Even in verse 9, we saw that God is reminding the Israelites of their purpose. God was going to establish them as a people, holy to Himself, as He promised. And everyone in the world will know that they were called by God's name. This was the purpose for the Israelites, that they will be a witness to the world. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. So once again, obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be a treasure possession among all the peoples and all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6b, it says this, I will make you as a life for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Let me read it from the message translation, that one verse. It says, I'm setting you up as a life for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. This was the purpose for the Israelite people experiencing the blessings of God. So that they will be established in their purpose of who they are. People holy unto the Lord. And so that they would take the light that is shining upon them and they would make it global. Not just in Hong Kong, but global. To go out because there's hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions and billions of people who do not know Jesus Christ. The purpose. Now we see as the children of God, that that was for the Israelite people. Through Jesus Christ, we have the same privilege and the calling and the purpose of being used by God. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 through 10. But it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging." people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What we are as the people of God is that we receive mercies, and now we are to declare the excellencies, the great things that God has done in our lives. Because why? We are a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, people belonging to God. That same blessing that you received in your life through Jesus Christ, you got to leverage it by living out the purpose that God has given you. What are some other things that we see? The Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. That is given to us because why? We have been blessed. And so now we leverage that, not only to live out the calling God has given us, but together as a church. The second thing I want to quickly highlight here is this, we must not only leverage our purpose, but we must leverage our prosperity. In verses 11 through 12, we notice that it's God who will make the Israelites abound in prosperity. And He says He will open up the good treasury. But the question is why? Why would He bless people even materially? In verse 12b, we see that their prosperity was not only for them to enjoy, because God He delights when we're able to enjoy the things that He has given us, but also to help others. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 12b, as I read before, it says this, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. What He's saying is that I'm going to bless you so that you can help other people. God was going to make them even leaders amongst the nations. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, again, it says this, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord, which I command you today, being careful to do them. I want to read it from the Good News Translation, and I want you to read the yellow section with me. It says this, The Lord your God will make you what? Come on, the leader among the nations and not a follower. You will always prosper and never fail if you obey faithfully all His commandments. That I'm giving you today. You know I was thinking about this. And just let me speak from my heart. You know some of you are really trying to be successful in life. Trying to make a lot of money. So you can buy your apartment. Buy a car. Be very comfortable. Buy whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Unless it's your idol. I don't think there's anything wrong with blessings that God gives. But here's the thing. So many of you. Seek after prosperity and success, but it's really about you. When was the last time when you started thinking about how God has blessed you? You got a promotion. You got a raise. Or you got your scholarship money, but you don't need all of it. And you decide, man, Lord, you've prospered me. You've blessed me. I'm going to use this percentage to not only bless people, but I'm going to take that person out for dinner because I just want to bless them. I'm grateful because there's many times that God has provided blessings for our family. And there are times when with the extra that we have, I'm able to bless people. Even if it's just a small coffee. And one time I was uh, talking with somebody and we're just talking about time. Time is money, money is time. And I think somehow God convicted this person that every time I meet with this person, they're gonna they're gonna bring me something but i know that they don't have a lot of resources so i'm like hey what can i buy i want to bless you today Oh, you bought last week i want like, it's okay i want to bless you today and so i think something kind of clicked for this person and now this person just sometimes bring like a little drink i'm like oh thank you or they bring a little chocolate which i don't really like chocolate too much uh, maybe once a month or so you know guys have that thing too so so well, not that thing, but uh, <laughs> anyway, those of you who have science background, our homeowners change. Uh, anyway, never mind, forget it, erase that. Um, and I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, I go, you don't have to do that. And what dawned upon me was, now if this person is doing it out of guilt, then that's a problem. But if this person is doing it because they want to bless, because they've been so blessed. Then I would encourage that I go. Well, praise God. How many of us, when you think about your life, God has blessed you so much; He has prospered you. When was the last time you blessed somebody else? When was the last time you were faithful you're faithful in your tithes and your giving? When was the last time you've been faithful with the things that you have to say? This is not mine, but it's God's, because the Israelite people they were going to be blessed. And the thing that encourages me is you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be the top and not the bottom. But once again, he says, if you obey my commands. So if you hear, listen, and then put that into action and you trust him, God will elevate you. God will exalt you. Not for your own glory, but he will do it for his name. I think about some of the things that are happening in my life and I am just completely floored and I was... I just met up this past Thursday with some of my closest friends that I've known for almost 30 some years. And we're just going around and sharing. And they're getting old because they're like, yeah, my back or my neck. And, you know, we're just they're sharing all their problems. And I just realized I'm healthy for whatever reason. Not after I played basketball and soccer in uh, Bangkok, but anyway, or in Chiang Mai. I was dying. But I realized, like, I'm healthy compared to some of my friends who are, you know, the same age, but they're struggling. I'm like, thank you, Lord. And then as we were talking together, sharing about all the things that were happening in our lives, and I I just began to share with them, these are some things that God is doing. He's allowing me to get involved in some of these global movements. And it's not like I was seeking after it. God somehow placed me in different positions, and I realized that I did not deserve this, but it was the grace of God. And that's why as I'm looking at the screen with all my friends who are from California to the East Coast to the Midwest and the United States, as I'm looking at the screen, I'm just thinking to myself, like, why me? Why not that person? Why not that person? And that's when it really humbled me to realize that everything that I've, I have, everything that I've experienced, is not because of my goodness and what I've done. It's because I've heard God's voice. And even though I was scared, I was unsure. As I began to pray, I felt like God was saying, do it. Obey me. And when I took that first step of faith and trusting in Him along the process, I realized that I'm, I am not, I'm not the tail, but I'm the head. I'm not on the bottom, but God has exalted and given me many opportunities to influence and impact many people. And I'm wondering what God can do in your life, at your workplace. What can God do in your neighbor? What can God do in your school? if you would just listen and obey and trust in him, have faith and say, God, I want to live with my heart set ablaze on fire for you. He will do some incredible things in you and through you. The powerful thing about all this is the gospel. Why? Because you and I, we have disobeyed God's command. That's why the wrath of God is upon you right now. All of us. You will be judged one day that the Bible says very clearly. You're going to stand before God and you have to give an account for your life. You don't know when you're going to die, but the Bible is very clear. All of us are going to stand before God. And here's the thing. Either you will stand before God and say, God, look at all the stuff that I've done. Look at all this stuff, my own self-sufficiency and i tried all this stuff. I've been trying to be really good. And God says, but do you know Jesus Christ? Have you received Him as Lord and Savior? And you're like, No. Or the other scenario will be, God, there is nothing good in me. I sinned against you. But I thank Jesus Christ because he lived the perfect life that I could not live. And then the death that Jesus died on the cross, that should have been my death because I sinned against the holy God. But he died for me. So the only thing I could plead is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his life, his perfect life that I, by faith, received, And God will say, welcome into the kingdom of heaven. I'm wondering if there's some of us in this room who have been coming out to Life Group, who have been coming out to Sunday, and you're very close to that line. And I want to challenge us not to seek God for His blessings, but to seek God for Himself. And may your life be transformed. One thing that I do want to encourage us with as part of the next steps is that when you go through this life and when you're struggling, that there will be a prayer that you lift up, which is the abide prayer. The first thing is this as a next step is the abide prayer. Many of you know this if you've taken the discipleship class, the alive class. These are five things that you could actually pray within all probably 30 seconds, 40 seconds and you'll be able to feel that you're walking with the Lord. The first thing is this, admit that you're weak. Admit that you can't do it. Some of you are trying to obey God in different areas of your life, fasting, I don't know, maybe there's a temptation or some area of your life. Then what you need to do is to be able to just simply say, God, I admit this. I cannot do this. I'm weak. The second thing is this, believe in God's promises. Once again, it's not about you, but it's about what God has promised unto us. So you believe in that, you trust in that. So once again, it's hearing, and then you act upon it. This is God's word. You can read it, you can hear it, and then you act upon it. What are you going to do? And then the eye is intercede for God's grace. Pray that God will work in that situation. His grace will be shining forth. I love what Richard Foster said in his book, Prayer. He says this, our problem is that we assume prayer is something to master the way we master algebra or auto mechanics. That puts us on the top position where we are competent and in control. But when praying, we become underneath where we calmly and deliberately surrender control and become incompetent. This is why you will know a person, not only in their humility and their obedience level, it's because they pray. You don't pray just something that you just do. Oh, we got to pray before we serve. We got to pray and do this stuff. But your whole life is a dependence on God. That means you're not on top. You're not in control. But you're down here to say, God, I'm incompetent. No one wants to hear that. But with God, you're confessing it. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. To say, God, I can't, but you can. And when you become dependent on God through prayer, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see God work. So admit that you're weak. Believe in His promises. Intercede and pray for that situation for God's grace to come. And then the D is decide to obey. You have to make a choice. Make a decision. Are you going to go your way or are you going to go God's way? Are you going to surrender Or are you going to then still try to keep control? That's why I'm wondering if some of your life is out of control, is God trying to gently, in His loving way, even though it's hard, in His loving way, trying to tell you, stop it. You're heading towards that cliff. But once again, if you're not listening, you're going to go over that cliff. And who pays the price? You do. God forgives you, but He's not going to take away consequences. Don't ever forget that. God will always forgive you. That's what the cross represents, the forgiveness of God. But you have to live with consequences. It keeps you humble. It's like a limp. And you realize, yeah, I remember. That's what Jacob had to go through. That the angel touched the, hip, the socket of his hip. Because he was such a conniving person, always trying to manipulate. And God says, no more. Decide to obey with God's grace. Lastly, express thanks. To be able to say, God, thank you in advance for what you're gonna do, because why? Being thankful before something happens creates and generates faith. It helps you to believe. I believe that God will do it. I believe that he will intervene. I believe that he will work out the situation. I believe that he loves me and he has a plan, he has a destiny, and he's gonna work. You know what that does for you? When you start expressing thanks, even before things happen, it builds up faith. It gives you hope. And everything that God said in his word, he has yet to fail. You got to be able to trust in him. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. You know, I was praying and thinking, what do I need to share with, our church, as we're coming to this last week of One Desire Fast. And I had a different message, actually. I was working on this other message, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, speak on this, which is Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'm telling you right now, everything inside of me said no. You know why? Because I already spent all this time on the sermon, That means that I have to spend more time. So I decided I'm not going to preach on what I preached today. And I'm going to go to the other passage that I was going to preach on. But you know something really funny happened? Well, it's not funny, but as I was working on the other message, thinking that that was the message I'm going to preach today, like nothing was flowing. (laughs) It was like, okay, God, I got it. (laughs) So you know what I did? I put it in a different folder. I said, future sermon. So you'll hear that sermon. It's a good one. Okay, it's a good one. I'm excited to preach that one. So I put it in a different folder. and I'm going to preach that on some other Sunday. And then I began to look at this passage, study it. And I said, during a fast, what God desires more than anything else is our obedience. Not our sacrifices, not the things that we're doing, but just our obedience. He's speaking to some of you And he has been speaking to some of you. There's some sin areas of your life that God is telling you, you got to let go. That relationship is not very healthy. That thing you're chasing after is going to kill you. It's a poison in your heart. Some of you are standing and you're wondering like, why is my life this way? I want to challenge you after hearing a message today that I believe that God has for some of you. I'm wondering if your life is the way it is right now because you have failed to hear his voice or you've heard it, but you are not obeyed. Can I just invite us, every single one of us, none of us are perfect. There's going to be times when God wants us to do something and we're afraid or we calculate all this stuff. We we, we get that. That's human nature. But I want to invite you this coming week with the last three some days left, three and a half days left, that if God speaks to you about something, that you will then receive it by faith and then you will then pray purposefully and act upon it and to say God I want to love you and I want to obey you more than anything else or anyone else in this world and take that step of faith and let's just wait and see what God would do salvations at this retreat God opening up doors for you at work that you never thought that would open. Undeserved favor. Your boss says, hey, can I meet with you? You're like, oh my God, I'm in trouble, right? It's always like that. Pastor goes, I want to meet with you. Uh-uh, I'm in trouble, right? So that's your condition. It's all about works. But your boss says, hey, come in to the office. Gonna, I want to speak to you. He goes, you know what? We've been thinking about this and we've been projecting into the next five to 10 years and we realize you're going to be a vital person into our strategy for their company. And we want you to take this new position. And it will double the pay. And you're like, no, it's okay. No, of course, you're like, wow. It was just after I listened to God, acted in faith, and this door opened up. That's why I want us as a church to listen and to obey and step out of faith. Because that dream of being able to reach the circle in Asia to start more micro-churches, life groups, and then to be able to have a district church, which will then eventually link together to have hubs all over Hong Kong and the world. That can only come when the church, our church, we're listening and we're obeying God. It takes faith. It takes trust. I would love to see that. And we wait. We're faithful in doing what we got to do, but we're going to wait upon God and He shows us. I can't wait for that day. However long it takes, we're gonna trust and believe that day will come. Heavenly Father, we we just admit that we don't have the strength or the power, the goodness in us to try to do anything for you. When we think about our lives, Lord, all we see is a heart that is rebellious, self-centered, self-sufficient, insecure, looking to ourselves and even disobedient so lord we admit that we want to come and humbly say that to you that lord you are the god of the universe and we're not in control you are the one leading and guiding and god we believe in your promises in the word that you have said that your name will be exalted among the nations And this earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the water covers the earth. As you have promised us that you will be with us to the end of the age as you commission us out to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, we believe in that word. You've told us that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God. As you delivered us from darkness into this wonderful light. And now we are called to proclaim your excellencies, wherever we go. And all we can say to you, Lord, is we want to believe in what you say in your word. And so, God, we are interceding and asking you that as we close out this fast, that you will give us the strength. You will give us the anointing. Help us to hear your voice. Enable us, Lord God, to be able to say yes to you. Teach us to obey. Help us to obey. And God, we just wanted to make this decision And we want to choose you. Forgive us, Lord, for choosing your blessings or choosing the the extra benefits that come. But, Lord, we we want to choose you. We want to make this decision because it's because of you. You first loved us, you died on the cross for our sins that we don't deserve. And so, all we want to say is, God, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. So today, as we stand in your presence, we make this decision for you. That we will choose you above all things, even over ourselves. And God, we give you thanks. Because even though we don't see it, but in faith, we give you thanks. We want to express a heart of thankfulness and gratitude to you. Because you're more than able. And you're going to work and do things that are just even thought about. Or even as we ask, you're going to go beyond all that of what we can imagine. And it's for your glory. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.